And welcome to Talk to Talk. I am Buzz Eisenberg. Bill Newman is, uh, well, he's playing hooky. Uh, we're hoping that we can uh, get him in from afar uh, via Skype. We'll see whether that happens or not. But meanwhile, we have a, uh, a really interesting guest. Um, how did I couch this when I was writing notes in preparation for today's discussion? Uh, I think I said uh, discourse, not discord to introduce John DiBartolo. So, John, if you will, you wrote a, uh, a little piece for the Daily Hampshire Gazette, and uh, let's talk about it. Buzz, I would have liked that title better than uh, the title they put on it originally. That's Next good. time you're going to have to consult me, man. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for having me on. I'm happy to talk about the topic. Uh, I don't have um, anything, that I, anything to promote today, anything that I wanted to cover uh, more than just answer the questions and have well, a dialogue. Well, that's not true. You're promoting discourse. Yeah, I'm, I guess I'm promoting civil discourse, um, and you know the piece for those who haven't read it, really focused on uh, my experience advocating uh, against the current Main Street redesign. Uh, the 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 folks who were uh, most in favor of it are are generally politically aligned with me, and uh, my experience in in dealing with uh, the issue is that <clears throat> I may be experience what it's like to be on the other side of liberal politics. Uh, I had not, uh, I've always considered myself a liberal. Well, this is what you wrote. I am a real-life Volvo-driving, oat milk latte drinking, composting, recycling, vegan, atheist, feminist, Liz Warren voting trial lawyer who lives in Northampton. That's, that is all true. I am all those things. And, and as I also pointed out, the, uh, uh, I do have an ACLU card in my pocket as we speak. Um, I started carrying it when it became an epithet, you know, back in the, in the late 80s when I was in college. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm on the same side as most of the folks uh, who were in favor of it, and I found that... Oh, the Main Street redesign. Yeah, and it's not that I'm opposed to redesigning Main Street. It was that I had offered an alternative with a group of other folks who were uh, active about it. And the, the response to that and, and the way that we were characterized, my positions were characterized, um, was an all-or-nothing black-and-white uh, really changing the the values behind what we were promoting. So if, if someone didn't agree with me, they would think that I was against experts because they were relying on scientific reports. If I read the scientific reports and relied on those conclusions, they would say I was misrepresenting facts. So there were a lot of folks, and it's, I don't want to make it sound like it is um, municipal. You know, this is, is directed to folks in general, like folks on social media, people that you, you know, encounter and... Uh, or otherwise friendly and, and in agreement with. Are you listening, House of Representatives? <laughs> it's it's definitely uh, giving me a view of what it must be like to be on the other side of many of the arguments that I've made, you know, that would pertain to conservatives. And um, in well, the, I'm going to interrupt you, John, only because I think it's important for us to understand what exactly happened that led you to write this, uh, this um, plea for civility in the way that we discuss uh, policy issues that are important? Uh, specifically, the, it culminated with a city council meeting at which I was invited to present an alternative design. Uh, and uh, the reception to my presentation uh, was not what I expected, which is to say I didn't go in thinking, okay, I'm going to change the minds of the city councilors and they're going to reconsider this, although that would have been ideal. Um, but I didn't expect the response that I got, which was at one point hostile and was in general um, 
not open to hearing it. You know, so a member of council had, I finished this long speech on how to make Main Street safe for cyclists and pedestrians. And <clears throat> the response was, you're telling us we can't have cyclists on Main Street. And it was the exact opposite of what I was saying. You know, so that misrepresentation of the underlying point uh, was really what got me feeling the way I was feeling and, and a number of the social media uh, discussions that I had along the way. Uh, so I wrote the piece oh, about seven weeks before it actually published. So it was, it was fresh in my mind when I wrote it. Um, and then by the time it came out, it's not that the sentiment has changed, although I think a lot of folks have moved on from the discussion of Main Street. Um, it's still an ongoing issue. You're a trial lawyer. I am. Uh, I am too. And we are both accustomed to uh, not only being in an adversarial position with colleagues on the other side um, and their clients, but uh, with having to um, separate the position that we're taking in, in front of a judge or a jury um, from being able to go out and have a cup of coffee together and, and uh, chew the fat and respecting each other, notwithstanding the fact that we profound, profoundly disagree about that which we're arguing about in court. Um, do, do you come in contact with this kind of stuff as a trial lawyer where some lawyers just get so aggressive and angry where other ones are going to hug you even though you're on opposite sides of the V? Yeah, I'm sure you've experienced it as well. There are some, um, what I think of, so I do plaintiff's work, so I'm always representing people. I don't represent companies. Uh, and there are some folks on the other side who you know, I consider true believers who have that kind of uh, insurance company mentality and they have a hard time separating and, and just being friendly outside of you know, uh, litigation. But for the most part, no. I mean, I think, that especially locally, you know, so the people who I often experience this with are like Boston attorneys. Um, so locally, I, no, I don't have that. We have good relationships outside um, professional disagreement. So what is the mindset that most lawyers can adopt? And it's, my experience is the same as yours, by the way, um, uh, which is that for the most part, we're able to disagree and yet not condemn each other to hell in each other's minds. I, 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 is that a transferable situation to talking to city councilors and feeling vilified because you disagree with the position they've taken? I actually don't think that it's, it's actually what we experience professionally with other attorneys because we're advocating on behalf of someone else. I think that in the instance where we're having a political disagreement uh, over how to do something, I think it's just important to listen to the other side. Uh, there's a difference between having the same goal and having different ways of reaching a goal versus having different goals or different values in general. So, you know, I'm not suggesting... Um, that we be nice, for example, on a larger political perspective, that we'd be nice to folks who want to put people in cages. You know, no, they don't really deserve our attention in the same way. But if you have people who are on the same side, basically saying, yeah, we want to make this thing better, we want to make this thing safer, you should listen before drawing a conclusion about what their motivations are. John uh, DiPatrolo, you, you end your piece uh, by writing, I am hopeful that I can remember not to vilify folks who do not share my views. I hope we can all remember that. Do you get in a situation sometimes where you disagree with someone on an important public policy and you just don't listen as hard as you wish you did? Definitely. I think that in, uh, in a circumstance of dealing with what I would think of as, you know, we call it conservative, but it's really not conservatism, the, the, the current version of the Republican Party, the Trump style. There, there are folks who I don't even want to listen to. 
and I don't really give the time of day. Um, but, you know, I still have friends who are Republicans. I still have, you know, family members who are Republican. And uh, I try to make that effort. Uh, and I'm going to try a little bit harder than I had in the past, I think. Make that effort to listen to what's behind what their views are. Sometimes they're parroting things they've heard someplace else. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's a shared value and they're just, their, their view of achieving it is very different than mine. And I try to be respectful of those situations. Dan. Yes, I would like to know what you think of the argument that I think I would hear from a lot of people who do support the current project, which is to say, we have vetted, and we've been talking about this now for, let's say, three years. We have the experts from the Massachusetts engineering programs who are the actual experts who have been doing this for a living for decades. They've gone over that this is the only realistic alternative for this because you know, <clears throat> as much as liberalism is, is this about you're talking about is it this, the redesign? The, the redesign, yes. So you're really this, talking the about redesign. the content. The con I'm sorry, I, yeah, yeah, I'm really talking about the content, but I'm gonna get, I'm gonna tie it all in because you know, part of liberalism is discourse, and that's what you've both been talking about: the discourse and the differences in discourse. But at a certain point, liberalism also needs to make a, a final decision, and I almost feel like. When a de final decision is made, there's always going to be a group that does feel their voice wasn't fully appreciated or heard, their voice wasn't included in the final decision, because ultimately we have to execute on some plan. Uh, if, if we're going to all agree that a redesign needs to be made, you know, I mean, I think that most people. So the do point agree to John is what, uh, where does the discourse end? And where do, we, where do we have to draw the line that a decision needs to be made and how that made us set people? It's a great question, Dan. It's a great point. Um, you know, looking at some of the flaws in the way that it came to be, mm -hmm. um, sure. there wasn't ever really a give and take. You know, it, part of it is the way that, that city government runs. Mm. You know, public comment is, you know, to speak for 120 seconds and receive no response. That's not really a, a back and forth. Mm. You know, the specific problems with the way this happened was there was one in-person meeting and then everything was on Zoom. Mm. Uh, it would have been better to be more democratic. The version that they uh, cited and conquered, you know, they had 50 in-person meetings. Wow. Uh, the, and with regard to experts, this, this kind of characterization, this is what I was talking about. So mm -hmm. it's not like I'm discounting the experts. I'm yeah. actually relying on the experts. If you read the, the studies that were suggested by the proponents, yeah. I didn't bring my own studies or get a new expert. I just read the actual studies and read from the conclusions. Got and it. there were findings that were inconsistent with the way they were represented. Got it. So there's a difference between taking an article that was written about an abstract of a study based mm -hmm. on the title of the abstract and mm -hmm. actually reading the study and seeing what the scientists said, said right. uh, with regard to what's the best way to approach something, what, what risks there may be. Mm -hmm. um, and this wasn't the only way to do this. There were Got other it. ways. There was an alternative that we presented that is also viable. Now, to your ultimate question, like what happens when there's disagreement? Yeah, I mean, you can't win all the time. You know, we have elections and, you know, there are votes and there's a democratic process. And then we have election deniers. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, I, well, my only uh, comment to that last point is, you know, Ultimately, what's really important is that people who don't win, right, don't feel like my voice wasn't heard or ultimately uh, contributing. You ultimately have to feel like, but I did feel like I was at least given a chance to express 
my alternative views and that you kind of accept the ultimate outcome, even if it's not exactly what you believe in. I mean, ultimately, I think part of this democratic process here is that people need to feel like I might not have won, but I accept the final outcome. And I think that's the real strength in what you wrote, John DiBertolo. I think what you said is let's listen to each other, have a proper discourse and be respectful and not vilify each other for disagreeing because at the end of the day, one side is going to win and uh, one design in this case is going to prevail. And, and I thought that that was the point that you were making really powerfully. Thanks, Buzz. I, I, agree, I agree with that. And, and Dan, if I'm, I don't know if I'm getting to your point, but mm-hmm. there's a difference between uh, being given the opportunity to voice an opinion mm-hmm. and being heard. Um, so it's, it's about whether it's performative to a check a box, allow someone to talk, say, okay, we listened to you talk for 20 minutes, you're done, and we don't have to actually respond in any meaningful way to what you said, we're just going to go on and do what we did. Um, that's kind of the way that felt to me. Uh, it didn't feel like there was actually anyone saying, huh, let's take a step back and think about this. And again, this could be performative as well, but let's say they had done that, right? So city council said, wow, we hadn't really looked at it that way before, we're going to have another meeting and have a discussion about this and, and then we'll make a decision. Now that could have been also performative, but it could have been legitimate. They could have done that and arrived at a decision with which I did not agree, mm-hmm. but it was more of a rejection of what I had to say and a mischaracterization of what I had to say rather than saying, wow, that's interesting. We'll listen to it. We'll think about it. No, we've decided to go with what we were going with originally, or we've decided to make some tweaks to what we we're going to do originally based on the things you've raised. It was more like, yeah, you're done talking now. We're going to move on. I am uh, really, I'm the luckiest man in the world. I am a progressive with strong opinions about a lot of different things. I also, for the I was on the planning board in Asheville. I was on the ZBA in Asheville. And then I got the best gig in town. I am the moderator for like 23 years in Asheville. And my job is to make sure, and every time I, you got to run every year. And what I write when I talk about why you should vote for me is that my passion is to make sure that every single person walks out of town a meeting because we don't have a representative system. We have the legislature as voters who come and decide on the budget and decide on the laws. And I make sure that I say that I, my goal is to make sure that everybody is both heard and has the opportunity to hear. And I don't use listen. I use hear for the same reason you just said, John, um, because when I'm standing up there and I hear somebody articulate, I have a position, but I have to remain neutral and I have to call on everybody to hear everybody's position and follow the rules that we have in our bylaws. And I hear really good points being made on a position that I thought I solidly held. And because I have to maintain neutrality, I, I hear it whether I want to or not, because I got to get to the germ of what they're saying. And I think that's what you wrote as a guest columnist, John DiBartolo, is that we should just really give each other the opportunity to be heard and make sure that we have that opportunity ourselves and then roll it around in your mouth, see how it tastes, and decide which, which goes on your plate, right? That's a fair characterization, yeah. That's great. Well, I really appreciate this. I think it's an important, these days, civil discourse is something that uh, it's really, uh, well, we want to live in a constitutional democracy. We need to have civil discourse and listen to each other. And um, I think highlighting that, in your piece was a really important service to all of us, John DiBartolo. Thank you, Buzz. Thank you, Dan, for taking it up and having the discussion. Appreciate it. We're going to be right back. We're going to talk to Peter Simpson about the Haymarket Cafe and, well, reviving it. 
Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.